Holy crap, I can't believe it. I was right again. I predicted this two years ago on the podcast. Maybe it was three. And it's absolutely coming true. And this prediction means money for you. So check it out. Welcome to the climb. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's what you need today. End of story. You need to bring proof that your artwork has value. It's not just about being good. You have to be good with an audience. And if you have that, that's what's going to get you into the publishing company. That's what's going to get you into the management deal, the record label deal. It's all about proving that what you do has value. That's called leverage. That's why we called it the climb. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. That's a Baxter name from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who also happens to be a hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, Got two number ones last year on Southern Gospel, so he's still making miracles happen out there. Mm -hmm. And what I love about Brent is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then on the regular, he's going to get you opportunities to get in front of the pros so that you can create relationships and climb up that ladder. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. It's complicated, but thankfully, Johnny's smart, as we'll see today. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs just to name a few. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's up, Johnny? I'm super excited. I'm super excited. <laughs> that's I awesome. I love being right. <laughs> sometimes I hate being right, but that's because sometimes I'm a pessimist. <laughs> There's that, you know, listen, this might make you uncomfortable, but I'm right. <laughs> but it's actually not going to make you comfortable. It's going to make you excited. There's some really, really, really big news. That means the world is changing and who's winning? Indie artists. Indie artists are winning. And I'm going to tell you why. But before we do that, let's take care of a little business first. We want to give a big shout out, big thank you, and say how proud we are to be on American Songwriters Magazine's podcast network, ASPN. This is a big deal for us. That's a 36-year-old brand name. And I just got my new version, my new magazine cover. Edition? My new edition, yeah. Pretty Reckless is on the front of that. And I love that band. I love Taylor Momsen. And I had tickets to go see him for COVID and then it got right. changed to October and then it got changed again. So hopefully I'll get to see them, but uh, really dig that band. Super cool. And I mean, listen, you got rock stars on the front and we're rock stars on the podcast. Come on. Like we love you guys. <laughs> Join the climb community if you haven't done so. This is a thriving community. We let everybody in, but you got to ask to be let in. And we've got singers, songwriters, indie artists, indie musicians. They're creating co-writes. They're talking about different marketing ideas and different things they're doing. And it's just a cool hang. We want you to be there. Mm -hmm. 
we give you time to talk about your wins on the new heights section, right? That's right. So let me just pull one up here. So we do have the new heights, which we do every Wednesday. We make a post and you leave a comment. You can send links out, whatever, in the comments to share your wins so we can celebrate with you, right? So let your happy flag fly. Uh, let's just take a look at, uh, see, Brad Hacker says, I got a demo coming soon for a song with some really cool co-writers and I'm excited to get to the pitch floor. Also, a few new more co-writes that I'm super grateful for and equally excited to get to demo and get their pitch on as well. So congratulations and good luck, Brad. Uh, Chris Scheller, Scheller says, I've been writing more lately and after doing some inventory, realize I'm ready to start planning an EP. So awesome, Chris. And so just, man, people sharing their wins, sharing their good stuff. Oh, Michael uh, Saletta. He's a buddy of ours. He's a climber. He's from Australia, and he's having a good day. So he's said, "Grateful to say I signed." My first, yeah, it's grateful to say I signed my first ever song contract with a publisher in Nashville this week, and I share this good news with my co-writers Julie uh, Renier, Renier maybe, and Billy McDowell. Giddy up. Nice, up, Michael. Congratulations, man. I've worked with him some. And, you know, we've done some coaching and some different stuff. He's a song pro. He's in the membership. I'm always seeing on on Instagram where he's Zoom writing with people all over the world and stuff. You know, a lot of people in the U.S. because he's he's in Australia and he's just working it, man. So I'm glad to see him starting to get some of the payback for that good work. Oh, starting to see some benefit from that. Yes. So happy for these folks. So come on in, share your wins with us. We love them. Heck yeah, let's do that. And then listen, leave a rating and review. Hopefully it's five stars. We're trying to get to 200, but even if it's one star, we'll read it. We own up to everything. We mm-hmm. own up to everything. All right. And finally, tell a friend about it. If you're spending what really amounts to about 45 minutes a week with us, not including the, the pullout episodes on Friday, man, we're so grateful for that time. We're so grateful for your attention. Mm-hmm. But look, we're not getting it because it's the right thing to do for you. Right. You're getting some value out of it. So tell a friend about it because maybe we can help them too. Okay. Amen. So let's get into this. This is going to get a little complicated. There's a lot of stuff I still don't understand, but I'm going to try to keep it at 30,000 feet. And there's a couple big news items that came out this week that, as far as I'm concerned, completely and 1,000% validate my prediction that blockchain was going to change the music business. I remember us talking about blockchain. I was, I remember riding around, I was in Mount Juliet, I was behind a Starbucks and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, parked right behind a Starbucks. And I remember you talking about blockchain and stuff. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you know what? We just pre-talked this whole episode and I still don't really know. But <laughs> I'm I remember so, you talking I, about this years ago. I'm still trying to get my head around it. But the basic idea is huge here. So I'm going to start off by just kind of browsing over two articles here that sort of got me going on this whole thing. Okay, so this just came out March 3rd. And today is what the fourth. Today so came out yesterday. The time of recording. Yep. Yep. So at the time of the recording, that's right. So this is on Digital Music News. Kings of Leon becomes the first band to release an album as an NFT. What? What the heck is an NFT? <laughs> what the heck is an NFT? Okay, so. NFT is not for teenagers. Is it, is it not for teenagers? No. <laughs> so NFTs, what that stands for is non-fungible tokens. Okay. And this means you can't exchange one FT for another. They run on a blockchain network. 
Okay. And it's a digital ledger that records all the transaction in cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. If you've heard of Bitcoin, Bitcoin only works because it's on blockchain and the way that blockchain is set up. So what is blockchain in layman's terms? And I'm sure somebody else could be far more eloquent in their description of this, who's more knowledgeable than me, but all that matters is the big, big picture here. Okay. Blockchain is a database. That's all it is. Okay. It's a database like any other database. I think we understand what servers are. I think generally speaking, I think we understand what a database is, right? Mm -hmm. Server is just a big, huge hard drive. Right. It keeps everything. And when you have a database, you have a bunch of people, let's say, that can get in and change the database. Mm -hmm. But the difference with blockchain is, is that the way that the digital information is set up, it creates a chain. So you have a certain block of data. Let's say maybe it's a gig or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Just for whatever. Once that gig is filled up. Just for giggles. (laughs) Yeah. So once the gig is filled up with data, it creates a block and seals that off and creates another one and another one. Mm -hmm. And it sort of builds up. If you think about stacking Legos up as a tower, it just keeps stacking up a tower, but everything can be traced and it can't be effed with. Okay. It can't be edited. It can't be changed unless you have the majority. So if you take Bitcoin, for instance, it's a monetary currency. Okay. I think there's, what, what did we read in that article? There's I don't know, two, 300,000 people. I'm not sure. I don't remember. That have Bitcoin now or something. That number might be wrong, but it's a boatload of people, okay, that have Bitcoin and their Bitcoin is on the blockchain. And every time that a transaction is made, a code is put on it and then it's sealed and it can't be changed unless 51% of the people on the chain agree that it should be changed. Mm-hmm. So, on one hand, it's completely transparent, which transparency is everything. Sunlight cures it's the best disinfectant. Is the best disinfectant for bad actors and scumbag people and people who want to take money and do stupid stuff. So it's completely transparent in that every single actual Bitcoin that you have can be traced, right? So it, so it if you, carries with it a record of everything that's been up to, what it's been up to, what's been done to it. Yes. It's like, yes. this is my record. This is my passport. I know every country you've been to and how long you've been there. It's got your visa and your passport, all that stuff. This is where I've been and this is what I've been up to for this piece of data, right? Exactly. So if you were to steal, let's say you could hack in and you can steal Bitcoin, then it's worthless to you because you can't spend it. Well, as soon as you spend because it. Because even if you steal it, it has the record of, this is what happened to me. Exactly. I got exactly. taken out of the bank by a guy in a mask. It like, carries that record. Think of it like this. Think of it like an Uber ride. Okay. There's a digital footprint on your Uber ride which is what makes Uber so cool. Mm. So no longer can you get screwed if you're a hayseed from a Midwestern state and it's your first big trip to New York and you get in a cab and they take you the long way around so they can soak you for money because you don't know any better. Right. Doesn't matter with Uber. If they take you the long way around and then you go back and you just email Uber and you say, hey, I think I got screwed. And they're like, yep, you did. There's no argument. There's no debate. You don't even have to make a case. They just look at the digital footprint and they can tell the shortest route from A to B was this and you went a different way. And maybe that was because the driver didn't really know, but there's no incentive for the driver to do that. Right. Right. And so it's all transparent. It's transparent because you can see the footprint. So that's what makes it important. And it can't be edited unless it, can you imagine how difficult that would be to get hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people 
that would represent 51% of the community to agree we should do this instead of that. I mean, I don't know how big the community is, but I imagine that's a lift. It's big. Yeah. So you can't do it. Now, the other thing is, is that blockchains, you can fork off on blockchain. So just when it comes to digital currency, and this matters because this is your music, is your digital currency, right? But we're talking about Bitcoin, then we're going to get into music. But if somebody were to be able to do that, let's say somebody could do that. And then all of a sudden something got hacked and they somehow were able to finagle something to change a record. And if you're one of the 51% who says that you agreed to do that when you didn't really agree to do that. Now, you know, it's been compromised. It's been corrupted like a file, like Mm -hmm. a digital file on your computer has been corrupted. So what do you do? You fork off on the blockchain. Now that revenue that that guy took becomes worthless. So basically you quarantine it. Yeah. Yeah. Language that we understand, right? You kind of, that's a really good way to put it. And if it's quarantined, it becomes when it's money, it becomes invaluable. It becomes worthless. It's marked. It's like it has the bank, uh, the die pack on it. Exactly. Exactly. So what does that mean for art? And what does that mean for music? Okay. Okay, So So, here's, here's what I'm thinking. An analogy hit me after this hours of us talking about it beforehand. Blockchain, it makes each unit specific. Like that's the thing. Oh, streaming, file sharing, Napster, right? It's digital. It, once it's digital, you can make a bazillion copies of it. It gets lost out there. It's out there. I can't track it. I can't make any money off it, right? But blockchain right. makes it almost like a physical product where yes. you hold in your hand, there's one of these. And this blockchain proves that there is one of these. And if somebody tries to make a copy, it tags it onto the blockchain. You can't make a copy without change in the blockchain. Yeah. And then people can see like, oh, that's been screwed with. So it's, it can't be copied. Digital has the same scarcity as a physical product. Exactly. Okay. So we were talking before the show about, um, about Wu-Tang Clan, right? Wu-Tang Clan, their last record, they made a record, like literally <laughs> a record. <laughs> one. They printed one copy and they sold that to a super fan for $2.5 million. <laughs> Why is it valuable? Because there's only one. He's got the only one. He's probably got it up on bulletproof glass up on his wall. Probably yeah. didn't even listen to it. Right. So Kings of Leon released their new album on a non-fungible token, which think about that as a, it's like a Bitcoin. Yeah. Except instead of a currency, it's their art, right? It's a way to make a limited edition, a limited number on a digital thing. It's a way to treat it like a physical product. You know, we can make sure there's only so many of these that get around. Right. So here's the story behind this. There's going to be three types of tokens available for the Kings of Leon record as a part of the album drop, okay? And it's dubbed the NFT Yourself series. (laughs) (laughs) One token is a special album package, while another type offers live front row seats for life. This is interesting, okay? The third type is a standard audiovisual art NFTs that we've seen take off in recent months. So you might have been reading about Miley Cyrus and Lindsay Lohan and uh, Mark Cuban. They own these artistic NFTs and they're selling them or trading them or whatever. So it can be transacted, but it can't be duplicated and it can't be edited. It's like a physical product. I buy one of a limited edition of this thing and I can sell my copy of it, but I can't just make copies of it. Exactly. Exactly. Which for economics, it's supply and demand, right? This allows you in a digital world to have more control over the supply. Yes. Yes. Which, now I'm going to talk about your, your price you can charge. Exactly. And it gives you control of the transactions. 
Yeah. Okay. So here's the big thing about blockchain, guys. It's actual peer-to-peer transactions without a third party. Without a third party. So just think about that for a second. We were talking about this before. I'm going to tell the Willie Sutton story real quick. So uh, Willie Sutton is a famous bank robber in the 1930s. And he's a big, big celebrity. Like people love him. He's like the outlaw that everybody loves. He'll go rob a bank and he spends all the money. He gets big, expensive suits. He's hanging out at the most expensive restaurants with famous, the movers and the shakers and the beautiful people. And then he gets arrested and he goes to jail and then he breaks out of jail and he robs another bank. Right. And so he just keeps doing it over and over and over again. And he's an outlaw celebrity, if you will. And one day he gets arrested. The police are about to put him in the paddy wagon and a reporter comes up and there's a huge crowd around him because he is straight up like a celebrity. And they're like, Willie Sutton, why do you rob banks? And he goes, why do I rob banks? Because that's where the money is. Right. So the Willie Sutton principle is very simple. Wherever money gets accumulated, somebody is going to try to take it. Okay. And we've seen this again and again and again. Let's talk about the PROs, right? Let's talk about ASCAP and BMI. They're the gateway. They monitor all the performances. They collect all the money for you. Mm -hmm. And then for that, the deal, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. is that they take a percentage. Right. Right. They got to keep the lights on, pay their people to track this stuff. Yeah. Yep. That's a service that we provide. ASCAP takes 15%. But then I don't have to go track every radio station myself. Exactly, because it would be impossible for you to do so. So they provide the infrastructure and the staffing and the ability to do that. And for you to collect that money, that's worth 15%. BMI is 10%, okay? Mm BMI is more corporate. ASCAP is run by songwriters. Mm -hmm. BMI stands, by the way, for Broadcast Music Incorporated. So they're born out of the Broadcast Music site, which is important here because we have a songwriter friend. Why does this matter to you? Well, because they're collecting the money first. Stuff can go sideways. Right. Mm-hmm. They have the money first. You don't they get it the until money it and goes. The information. Yeah. And they don't get it until it goes through you. So there's the story of, I think it's Michael Ilsner, the songwriter, who's got over 2,000 songs synced. Him and his buddy, who just happens to be a BMI writer, write a song. They get that song synced as a theme song to a Nickelodeon show. Now that's a big deal because unlike, let's say you got your song synced to Friends as a sitcom, it comes on once a week. And then it, you know, hopefully if it gets over a hundred episodes, it goes into syndication. syndication and you're getting performance royalties on that like crazy. That's great. But with Nickelodeon, it's almost like it immediately goes into syndication because they're going to run that show multiple times a day for multiple days a week. So it generates a lot of revenue. That's the point. Okay. Now, what are they getting paid on? They got the theme song, but also the vocal bumper. So when they cut away to commercial, they do the vocal bumper, which is part of the hook of the song, but it's just the vocals. And then they come back from commercial, same vocal bumper, and you go back into the show. So he just happens Mm -hmm. to be at his friend's house, the guy, the co-writer who's on BMI, when he gets his first check from Mm -hmm. this sink. Okay, so months later, right? And they open up the check and him and his wife are like, holy crap. And they went and they cashed it and bought a BMW. <laughs> okay, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. So, of course, Michael rubs his hands together like, yes, let's go back. And he's going to go open up his check, but he's with ASCAP. That's a different PRO. His check is significantly smaller. What the hell? Same song. Yeah. Same amount. Clearly, the, the network's 
didn't do something different because they paid the money they were supposed to pay. So how come my check looks different than his check? Well, because ASCAP made a new rule that said, we're not going to consider vocal bumpers and pay them as primary vocals anymore. We're going to pay them as secondary vocals. And we're just doing that because this is more fair to all the songwriters, blah, 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 blah. And what it really boils down to is your boy Paul Williams said, we need some more money. And so let's just change a rule because we got the cash first. Blockchain eliminates this. Mm Mm-hmm. Blockchain eliminates this. So how does that eliminate? Because then you don't need to go through an ASCAP? Well, or it's the transaction is peer to peer. So let's think about it like this. When it comes to. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Well, let's get to that in a second. Let me finish this article and let me talk about the SoundCloud article and then I'm going to tie it all together, okay? Because I think I can make this make sense. I know this is super confusing. It's still confusing to me, but I see the big picture. I don't see the details, some of the details yet, but it's starting to become more clear. So all three NFT tokens, we're back to the, um, speaking about the Kings of Leon record here, Mm -hmm. offer all three of the tokens that you can purchase offer art that's designed by the Kings of Leon's creative partner, Night After Night. And the smart contracts holding the NFTs were developed by a company called Yellowheart, which is a company that wants to use blockchain technology to promote direct-to-fan relationships. I'm going to say that again. Yellowheart is a company that wants to use blockchain technology to promote direct-to-fan relationships. So non-fungible tokens, NFTs, are taking off as a way to release exclusive merch to hardcore fans. It's given many musicians a new revenue stream in an era where live touring is no longer certain. And then they mention uh, Linkin Park's Mike Shinoda, Portugal, The Man, Three Lau, and Grimes have all... They've all sold exclusive NFT merch, okay? Mm-hmm. Kings of Leon album will be released on traditional streaming services like Spotify and Apple and stuff like that. But there's an NFT version of the album that is sold on Yellowheart, and that comes with special perks. So the token is priced at $50, 
and it includes enhanced media like a moving live album cover. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Like, have you seen some of the artwork that Lexi has done for our post who administers our podcast for us? And the last couple of shows, there's animation there. Yeah. Super cool. So um, it also includes a digital download of the music and a limited edition vinyl copy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, sales for the Kings of Leon album NFT open on Friday at noon. The tokens will be on sale for two weeks. After which no more will be minted. They will make no more. It's, it's only funny for two how they weeks. say minted because it is like a physical. It is token. like it's like a coin, right? Yeah. Right. And the NFT becomes a tradable collectible. NFTs may be the answer to fans who want to own their own music again while giving artists a bigger piece of the pie. So this could be. I'm going to read that one more time because I don't want you to miss that. NFTs may be the answer to fans who want to own their music again while giving artists a bigger piece of the pie. So you can Interesting. own it without going through a streamer. You can own it without the physical right. copy. Right. And it's not unlikely to think, like, let's just dream for a second, mm-hmm. okay? It's not unlikely to think that maybe streaming services become this sort of pass-through gateway into another world where, where you have to buy it in order to access it. Yeah. And they don't do streaming services anymore. And then there's other packages that you can put together or something. That's interesting. Um, so here's the cool thing. Yellowheart is minting 18 quote unquote golden tickets in the Kings of Leon NFT album release. Out of these 18, only six will be auctioned off to potential buyers. 12 others will be vaulted for the band to give away at their discretion in the future. Each of these unique golden ticket, non-fungible tokens includes an actual concert ticket. And whoever owns the token is guaranteed four front row seats to any Kings of Leon concert. And not just for one tour, or two tours, but for each tour the band does for the rest of their lives. Hmm. The token owner will also give the VIP experience at their concerts, including a personal driver and a concierge at the show to handle all their needs. So you get your own personal little runner, right? Uh, right, yeah. Go for a gopher, go for this, go for that, go for this. I'm a little thirsty. I need a beer, you know? Yeah. And token holders are also entitled to four bags filled with merch at the end of the show. So while NFTs may be digital merch, they're becoming more than just artwork distributed by hardcore fans. So Let that resonate for a second. I want to go on to a second article here that is super exciting about SoundCloud. So SoundCloud introduces fan-powered royalties, direct artist royalty payments based on actual fan engagement, direct artist royalty payments based on actual fan engagement. SoundCloud has officially introduced fan-powered royalties or direct-to-artist payments based on actual user engagement. Berlin headquartered SoundCloud formally unveils its industry-first royalty pivot today. This is a big industry pivot. In a general release that was shared with Digital Music News, this is where I got the article. According to this announcement, the new system provides a more equitable and transparent way. There's that word again. Mm-hmm. equitable and transparent way for emerging and independent artists to earn money from streaming and levels the playing field for independent artists by tying payouts to fandom. With this move, 
This is big. Listen to this. With this move, each listener's subscription or advertising revenue is distributed amongst the artists that they listen to rather than their plays being pooled by a third party. So this move benefits rising independent artists with loyal fans, as opposed to the way it used to be done, which is the way it's done now. They pool it, right? So what does that mean? When you go play at a bar and you play a cover song, if that bar is going to have live music, they have to pay a fee Mm -hmm. to ASCAP or BMI. Right. Okay? And believe me, they're like friggin' Nazis. They're like union thugs. They come (laughs) in. If you don't pay, you don't play. You know what I mean? Like the club, that's why you're allowed to play a live performance of a cover song in a club, and you can't be sued because the club pays a fee for that. It's called a blanket fee. Yeah, so the riders are getting paid just by the blanket license. They're just doing some math to go what's probably getting paid or what getting played, and we'll play based on that. Exactly. So, And and by the way, the same thing for – jukeboxes back in the day when they spun records or CDs. Mm -hmm. They got to pay a blanket fee to ASCAP. But the thing is, the reason it's a blanket fee, and this makes sense in the old days, because there's no way of all the juke joints in all the world that you can monitor every single performance of every single artist, every single night and catalog what they're playing. Right. Yeah. No, there's no way. It's impossible to do that. Okay. But now it's digital. Now the jukeboxes are digital. Mm -hmm. They stream, and so they can be counted, right? Right. So what they would do, though, from that blanket fees, collect all this money from all those clubs. It goes into a bank account, and then what do they do? They pay out that money based on sort of your percentage of the pie, and who's going to get the bigger percentage? It's going to be the Tim McGraws and the the big, big, big artists are going to get the lion's share of that money, and the artists aren't going to get it. They're not going to get any of that. So you don't count when it's pooled as an indie artist. So that's why this makes sense. So Spotify and most other leading streaming services solely utilize the pool method when distributing royalties. And the arrangement is beneficial chiefly for the ultra popular artists who rack up many millions of streams per month. Mm. So here's the point that I made. And this is the prediction that I made when we were talking and you were by that Starbucks a couple of years ago. So blockchain allows the transaction to happen and it can't be edited. Mm -hmm. So in other words, even if somebody like Spotify uses a pool, blockchain is going to provide an infrastructure for indie artists to get paid every dime that's coming to them for the traffic that they have coming to them. And there's no middleman in the way. Right now, if you get paid from Spotify for streams, where does the money go? People pay money for subscription-based services to Spotify. Spotify Mm -hmm. collects the money. Spotify says, hey, we've got millions of listeners. If you want to advertise, you can advertise with us. So they collect all the advertising money. So now Spotify has all the money in a big old pool, right? And then they go back and they tell you what your check's going to be. And you get paid. It goes through them first. Now, The future that I see is already starting to happen. Here we have SoundCloud being the first one to say, you're going to get paid for the traffic that you have, Mm -hmm. right? As opposed to going into the pool. Why? Because we can track it. Yeah. It's digital. Why does Spotify do the pool method? Because they probably, when they started to get into the music industry, were born from, hey, let's talk to some PROs and figure out how this works. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what the PROs do, right? That's what ASCAP and, and BMI do. Mm-hmm. Even though we can track everything, this is still a good idea. Yeah, people are used to this. Yeah, people are used to this, and it allows us a lot of flexibility to get some money here, get some money there, change some rules, do what we need to do, and tell people that it's for their greater good, right? All right. So imagine a world, let's get back to where we deviated before. So imagine a world with 20 million different artists, with 20 million different songs, one song a piece for Mm -hmm. each artist, on 20 million different servers. Okay. Like when you stream a song from Spotify, you got to upload that through an aggregate distributor, and mm-hmm. then it gets put on a server that Spotify controls, right? Yeah. And then, like magic, from your smartphone, wherever you are in the world, you press play, and somehow, through Wi-Fi, that digital information comes out of your phone, into your headphones, and you listen. But you have no idea where it's sourced from. Right. And it doesn't need to be sourced from a Spotify server. See my point? Okay. So, with blockchain... What if you had, again, 20 million different artists, each of them got a song, so it's 20 million different songs, but they're on 20 million different servers, and all the traffic that is generated in the way that SoundCloud is doing now, the money that is created from that traffic goes to the artist first, peer-to-peer, right? And instead of going through Spotify first and being distributed to the artist, it goes to the artist first, and the artist pays Spotify a fee for being able to have their content on that platform. Okay, yeah. So remember how we've talked before a million times, we've been trying to beat it in your guys' heads. You're a network now. You're a network now. You got to think of yourselves as a media company, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a network, that's great. You can start a network, but then you're going to have to be on some sort of service to be seen. Yeah. So before Netflix and everything got digital, what do we have? We have cable, and mm-hmm. there's cable bundlers like Comcast or this company or that company, Hughes and blah, blah, blah. And they've got, you know, we make these cable boxes and you pay as the network who creates content, you pay for space on that bundle so that the people in that market can access your network. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's where this is going, guys. That's where this is going, because then as long as you're generating revenue that makes sense on a platform like Spotify, you'll continue to pay them that fee. Mm -hmm. So the subscription-based business model will change. Yeah. And who has the power? The artist. Why? Because they have the traffic. And he or she who owns the traffic rules the road. See how exciting this is? And it can't be screwed with. Now, here's another thing. This is like Brent and I got in this conversation. Right now, I got an artist and she's got a song, let's just say, that YouTube doesn't like very much, okay? We did a campaign for this song. Uh, It was released in July. We spent like 1,050 bucks on the campaign and she got millions of views on Facebook. We drove a little bit of traffic to YouTube but not that much. And when we started this, she had a, a YouTube channel, had 150 subscribers. Wasn't much going on there. Mm-hmm. So as of today, because we, we spent 1050 bucks in three weeks back in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then that was the end of the campaign, right? Well, it's still got legs, okay? It still has legs. And it's generating like about 2,000 views it's a pop song, okay, but it just is like a trigger word politically. So it doesn't matter what you think about the politics. What matters is that this platform has an opinion about it. And as of today, she's got 88,000 views and her subscribership's up to 
almost 2000. It's like 1,780, something like that. Mm-hmm. But Lala and I multiple times have created little videos where we're looking at the amount of subscribers. Uh, if, if you think about like what a stock market graph looks like on the way up. It's jagged, but trending upward. Up and down, up and down, trending upward. Right. That's what's been going on with her. It was weird to me because I thought maybe the algorithm was reading like over halfway, right? Like if it's 1,780 to 1,785, it's going to say 1.78, right? But if it's 1,786 to 1,090, it's going to say 1.79, right? Just like, how does the algorithm read? Because it's only providing me like certain digits in the subscribership, right? Mm-hmm. And so it would go down and then it would go up again and then it would stay there and then it would go up again, but then it would go back down. And then I started seeing it happen with plays, man. Plays should only go one direction. With streams. Yeah. Now, and I'm talking like hundreds of views backwards. Like when you refresh, it goes backwards, not forwards. Mm-hmm. And what are they doing? They're stripping away those because what's happening is... Straight up, this is my honest to God belief, that thing's going viral. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I don't care, you know, but it's going viral. There's a lot of people that want to watch it. And the algorithm that YouTube has is just watching streams or watching views, right? And when Mm -hmm. it hits a certain amount of views within a certain amount of time, ding, 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 it rings a bell and the algorithm plants that video in the homepage on a YouTube channels to the people that they think would like to watch that. Right. Yeah. So that's how virality works on YouTube. Okay. It doesn't just happen because everybody's sharing it. YouTube helps because, you know, when you put a picture of a little kitten and it's the most adorable thing ever and everybody's like, Oh my God, this is great. And they start to share it and it starts to get a lot of views. And then all of a sudden YouTube goes boom and then plants that on the homepages of a bunch of people that the data shows they like to watch cats. Right. Yep. And so then it keeps going and going, and going, the more it gets shared, the more it creates steam, the more YouTube does that. So they're kind of goosing the system to make that happen what YouTube's doing here is making sure that that algorithm doesn't get triggered. Mm -hmm. So she might be in the hundreds of thousands or even millions of views if YouTube wasn't doing this, but they get to do that and that's costing her money. Yeah. Now, in terms of this amount of streams, it's not a lot of cash, right? But what if that was millions? Yeah. And for what reason? Because of the name of the song, YouTube's made a decision to throttle it down. Mm-hmm. Right. And what they're doing really isn't right, but they get to do that. Why? Cause that's not on blockchain, man. See my point. Yeah. If the content was on blockchain and it started to go viral, then what that means is it can't be screwed with. So you can't have that happen. They're taking money out of her pocket. What they're doing is illegal. Mm-hmm. Cause they're charging for views. If that's commercial. Yeah. Well, the, or they're charging yeah, ads. and they pay out per view, right? But yeah. they're making that number less. Why? Because they don't want it to go viral, obviously. But that's not okay. Right. That's not okay. <laughs> I mean, I'd be like selling Girl Scout cookies. And you come in, you're like, I sold 100 Girl Scout cookies. And they're like, nope, you only sold 50. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get the, the bronze medal instead of the golden one. It's BS. We don't like the tagalongs. So therefore, you sell. Yeah. Them. But the blockchain thing, I think, is going to continue. Like you got companies like SoundCloud that are saying, you know what? We want to pay each individual artist for what they've done. Instead of this pool thing, we're going to give them a platform where they can really feel like they know what they can do. Mm-hmm. Or they know that they're getting paid fairly and they're getting paid for all the traffic they've created. 
And so this is a really, really big deal. And imagine when all the 20 million artists with their 20 million songs on 20 million different servers who now own the traffic, the money doesn't have to be paid through Spotify. They can be paid directly to the artists. Mm -hmm. So if you're an aggregate, so like we're on... Yeah. Uh, American uh, Songwriter Podcast okay. Network. So we're much more powerful with all these other shows as an aggregate amount of traffic. We become far more exciting and more sexy to advertisers who know that, hey, I can put my ads across all these podcasts and I'm going to get this amount of traffic, whereas individually we don't have that ability to show up on the radar screen. So we might not make that money, right? Right, yeah. So imagine all the artists on the 20 million different servers and the advertisers want to advertise on a platform. Well, they can pay out those artists. So we're going to pay a million dollars for this amount of time. And if there's a million artists, every artist gets $1. Mm -hmm. Or Spotify takes a fee and then we split it up equally among the artists because they each got one stream, right? It's all accountable based on the reality of real-time data, yeah. as opposed to putting it in a pool and having some jerk decide five other different fees that need to be added so he can line his own pockets. So this is exciting news, guys. I predicted that this would be happening, and it is. And now you've got, with Kings of Leon and these NFTs, different ways that you can provide special packages. But I'm saying, like, right now, they're doing it as a special package, but I, the music's going to end up here. And the labels will be doing this. Labels have their own blockchain and their artists will be on that blockchain. And it's the same thing that way. Then everything is completely transparent and accountable. It's fascinating. So guys, I know you're confused as hell right now, but <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't have all the answers on this, but I see the big picture and I see how it's already starting to happen. I've already predicted this, but this is such Good news for indie artists who create traffic and you're going to get paid. That's the good news. And you're going to get paid better. And the more traffic you have, the more money you're going to be able to make. And so there it is. Give us a call. If you want some consulting, we had a bunch of consults this week, actually. We're open and available to you. We do charge for that. Just hit us up at info at daredevilproduction.com. Put consultation in the subject line, and we'll reach out and get something on the books. Free download link is broken right now. I've got to move it, so I'm not going to get that out. But anyway, this podcast exists because we want you to win, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.